My name is Steve Gilman, and for decades I've been helping brands engage with their audiences. On this podcast, we'll connect the dots in the fast-paced world of branding by talking with entrepreneurs, leaders, and marketers on the front lines of telling brand stories. Today, we're talking with Judith Trumbo, CEO of Virginia Mennonite Retirement Community, about knowing your brand's differentiators, how to build community, and the importance of authenticity. Uh, welcome to Brand Story. My name is Steve Gelman, and I'm your host, and today we are talking to Judith Trumbo, the president and CEO of VMRC, which is Vir- Virginia Mennonite Retirement Community here in the Shenandoah Valley. And uh, Judith, uh, I know about VMRC that it's a it's really quite a community. It's almost like a small town. So, uh, what do you? How do you explain VMRC to people? So we are a retirement community, but I I don't like that terminology, if you will. So I like to say that we are a community for persons who want to age well and live fully within the context of authentic, vibrant community. Um, we do have about 750 residents. Wow. And we hire, we have about 415 employees. So it's not a small operation, but most importantly, and, and I know I'm sounding like an ad, so bear with me here. No, it's a community. Um, and that's the most important concept to us. I've been to VMRC, of course, and, and I've seen it in action. And I think that's the thing that, you know, viewers of this program, people who don't know, you know, one retirement community or one community from another VMRC is so impressive because it, it really does feel like a small town and you have all kinds of different living situations there, right? We do. Um, and funny little story. When I came here as CEO, someone said I was coming over to be mayor of Mennoniteville. So. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> it is like I'm... an entire town over there. Yeah. I won't claim that, but we do have, uh, you know, wellness activities and dining and the, um, of course, housing. But we want our desire is to put be a place. And I realize with the pandemic, that's been a little bit different, but that people can visit, experience and live. So we say we're a destination hub for those who want to age well and vibrant, authentic community. And with our adjacency to EMU and walking distance to Food Lion, um, and access to the Forbes. I mean, with Forbes Center, this Harrisonburg, Shenandoah Valley, you know, Steve, is just fabulous. Yeah, there's a there's a lot for people to do. And the thing that I what struck me about VMRC, the, the many times I've experienced it, either visiting people or coming and talking to you or whatever the situation was, is that you know a lot of people might have a preconceived notion about what a retirement community is and what they picture in their head. It couldn't be further from that. Like when I walked in and you see that some people have their own little houses, other people live in like a, a group of houses that have a center courtyard. You have like literally a really nice restaurant there. It's just a beautiful place. Well, we think so. So thanks for acknowledging it. And we're really, we're, oh, let me just add that we do a jury dart exhibit um, oh, every yeah. year. And the, the art comes from all over the country. And so that's getting ready to start the beginning of June. And we are so excited. We'll be up for a month in our Park Gables Art Gallery. So I don't know who your audience is, but we'd love to have you. You're going to have to sign up because of pandemic, but go online and take a look too. So it's not just about living. It's about visiting experience and art is a big portion of that. Yeah. I've always been really, I've attended that. It's a six by six by 30. Oh, isn't that show, fabulous? I think. Yeah. I love that. And yeah. the art shows you all do and the fact that you know, a lot of the spaces are arranged around a huge gallery. You use that whole lobby as a gallery. Those those art shows are are beautiful. 
Well, this one is going to be exceptional. So plan to come sometime in the month of June, Steve, and uh, buy something. I'll be there. I'll definitely buy. Well, you know, you should see my house because every single show you have, I always end up buying a couple things and my house is just crammed full of art now, which is not (laughs) the worst. It's really not the worst thing you can have happen to you. So you've had just a a pretty incredible career, you know, and I was fortunate enough to work with you at uh, RMH and you and I shared the experience of moving an entire hospital from the, it's, it's old hundred year old home to a replacement facility. And now, can talk- Steve, we, we referred to that not as a replacement facility, but as our health and wellness campus. You're right. Off Thank Port you. For Road. So let's get the terminology. <laughs> you know, you corrected me then and you're correcting oh, me now. So and I appreciate that. No, no, you're great. No, Words are I, so important. That's one of the things I loved about working with you is that like, if I didn't have it right, I was going to have it right oh, soon. Yeah. Uh, anyway, my no, apologies for, no. but I'm still, I'm still in that mode. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. I mean, it was uh, the hospital and health campus at RMH is is phenomenal. Yeah. And the difference between, you know, where the hospital was for 100 years and where it is now is amazing. But I don't think a lot of people know, you know, we documented that entire move of, you know, from trying to move all the patients and all the equipment and the whole thing safely. And you were in charge of that. Well, Steve, life is a team sport. <laughs> and so we had so many people working on it. Um, and as I recall, it was June 22nd of 2010. It was literally the longest day of the year. And it was so hot. So I was down in the, not basement, because we didn't call it that, the lower level, moving those moving those carts. But yes, it was hugely successful because of the team effort. So Thank you for being part of that. Oh, absolutely. I think that's the hottest I've ever been for the longest. It was the hottest day. <clears throat> and it was a day that started at like 3 a.m. And, and God knows when it ended. But, you know, the success of that was amazing. And I know, you know, it is a team sport. And the whole process leading up to it was just a ton of work. But I was always incredibly impressed with your leadership. On time, on budget. No one dies. No one cries. Yeah. That's, a, you know, that's phenomenal. The on time, on budget. It's pretty impressive, but the no one dies, no one cries is kind of important too. Yeah, no, no kidding. And you did it, and I well, you know, not we were me. With you. We did. Well, you led it. You know, you're modest, but you led it, and you you were a very, very good leader. So, and I always really appreciated that because it was one of those situations that, even as someone that's a marketer, when the leadership is really good around something like that, you have a good story to tell. Well, you know, one of the things that I'm really blessed is that senior leadership kind of stepped back and allowed us to do that, um, so that. We were equipped to do that, but, you know, people weren't kind of stirring the pot. Um, that was nice. It was, it was, everyone was really respectful and, and it was a ton of teamwork. So, and then you've gone on and now you are president and the CEO of VMRC. And, uh, you know, I just having gotten to talk to you just about what that's like, but what do you think gives you the most satisfaction as your role as CEO of VMRC? I guess I'm going to come back to that community concept because it's a community of hope, meaning and growth for people to age well and live fully. And that's not just for residents, but that's for employees, but it truly are, it truly is the relationships that emerge. Um, And I think we've seen that even more this past year with the pandemic. I mean, in a CEO, you don't want to be the CEO of a retirement community or a senior living in the midst of a pandemic. Um, 
However, this community has been very gracious and it's in some ways become my faith community during this period of time. So by God's grace, we've gotten through this. Um, I think we've all learned a huge amount. So I don't want to just um, reflect based on the pandemic, but it's it's hard not to at this juncture and um, just so very, very grateful. Yeah, I mean, the there are unique challenges to the business that you all are in around the pandemic. And I think it was probably the most challenging industry that in the hospital industry to be in, just to be in healthcare period during the pandemic was so challenging. Well, yeah, and, and I will also say, again, we were really blessed because we went into the pandemic having not having any significant projects, um, construction projects, they were either completed or they were going to begin. So we were in a law and we had just completed projects so that we had all private rooms for our nursing care on ground level. I mean, what? how fortuitous, how amazing is that? It's kind of the best timing for the worst timing. <laughs> I love that. Best timing for the worst timing. I'm going to remember that one. Yeah, it kind of is. I mean, when you get lucky in that way, I think this last year has shown all of us, uh, you know, hopefully, or at least most of us, you would hope that, you know, uh, it's a lot, it takes a lot of resilient people working together to get through these kind of things. It goes back. Life is a team sport. Sure is. And I'm glad to hear you all came through pretty well and your, your VMRC is doing well. Yes, we have our challenges, of course, and we'll need to rethink some things after the pandemic because dynamics change. But my other kind of um, life motto is life is an iterative process. I love that. So what might have been right before is no longer correct. And so you just keep working it. You know, I really respect that. And I love that philosophy. I remember I haven't heard that in a while. And I remember you saying that when I worked with you at the hospital, that, you know, life is an iterative process because, you know, people would get so tense and so, you know, fearful and what's going to happen if we don't do it this way. And what'll, what'll be the outcome if we do it that way, just with all the change we are going through. And I just think when you keep in mind that this is an iterative game and we're all piece by piece building whatever our journey is, that's a really good thing to keep in mind. Well, um, Adam Grant, and I'm going to not remember the title of the book right this second, but um, he talked about being a scientist. So you maintain your curiosity rather than a prosecutor or a preacher. And I just love that analogy. I'll ask you at the end, too, because I have a question about, you know, what books are something you'd recommend to people in leadership. So I have a question just about, you know, what in this program we're talking, it's a little bit of a different program. And the reason it's called Brand Story is we're talking to the people who are on the front lines of either managing, growing, leading brands, marketing them. So it's not just about marketing or brand marketing. And that's what I'm interested in. And, and this came out of my experience of the pandemic of just wanting to connect with people and being able to hear their stories. And so it's been, it's just a really cool adventure. But thinking about you all, you have a really complex team. I mean, you have caregivers, which I'm sure some are very specialized. You have facilities people, you have administrators. How do you keep your team focused on the ultimate audience, the patients and families? Um, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's a really good question. Um, and I, people don't get into this industry for the money. I mean, they have to have a heart for this. And um, I have, I remember walking into an interview and she was going to be a 
a front line. She was going to be a caregiver. And um, I said something to the effect, it's love that makes a house a home. And so if you're not prepared to love, then I suggest you just skip the interview. And she looked at me like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> but you, you have to come around a common denominator, which is how do we build community? Um, and the values need to support that. And then how do we love? Um, and I was going to today wear a T-shirt that said love across it <laughs> because it's like, you know, what's a community without love? Um, so and and people respond to that. Residents respond to that. If you just treat and this is residents who, you know, maybe in great health, um, but really have lived amazing lives. Or it may be those residents who are in the final stages of Alzheimer's. Um, and my personal philosophy, which if I were going to say brand leaderships, the leadership leaders, personal brands and their organizational brands should somehow merge. And mine is to help people live well, age well and end well. And if we and we've worked at infusing that. That's great. That's that. You know, you don't hear the word love a lot in business. And I really, I, I you know, I, it's so exciting for me to hear that because, you know, having spent so much time around healthcare, I think there is a lot of love in it because it's a difficult industry to work in if you don't really care about other people. And when you ask employees why they work here, they don't work here and because of the money, they don't say, well, we think Judith's a great CEO. No, they say we love our residents. And I think probably people learned that even more this this past year of this, you know, being able to connect with someone and have it be real and have it be personal is a big deal. It's really what drives all of us, I think. Well, and with families not being able to visit, they really became family to people. Yeah. And they became family to the residents. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I just want to go. Thank you. Thank you. I bet the connections are just incredible. So. You know, you touched a little on brand and how brand and, you know, love go together. And I think that's pretty astounding. I love that. And what do you think, you know, there, I'm sure you see a lot of other brands, whether they're in healthcare or they're in other fields. What do you think other brands can take away from a brand like VMRC? What, are they, what could they learn from VMRC? That's a really good question. Not one I've spent a lot of time thinking on because I've been like, how do we, how do we work our brand? Sure, of um, course. But how, how do you differentiate yourself in the market? So with three other retirement communities in this area, or with three retirement communities, all that are great, that are faith-based in this area, what makes VMRC unique? And I think every uh, company organization that is successful says, we're, what is our unique niche? And what differentiates us? And then how can we leverage that? Um, so we've done that. Um, through the destination hub concept, because we also have a, what we refer to as Main Street connects all of our buildings with the exception of Woodland Park through the concept of community. And then how do we well, how do we um, support persons in living well, aging well and end well? So every company has to kind of look at their core competencies and then say, how are we going to really magnify these? Yeah. And I think for you all, especially, and, and, you know, I talked to Carrie Willits uh, about, you know, hospital based services and, and outpatient services. And I think the, I think the personal nature of what you all do, 
lends itself to, you know, very clear communication around your brand. Because, you know, like you said, one of the first words you've said in this interview was love. And I don't think, you know, there's a lot of companies, I don't think they go there that quickly. And I can't say that everyone always feels the love. And sure. we don't do that great every day. But, you know, that would be our our goal is to make people feel cared for uh, and not in a gratuitous way, but in a genuine and authentic way. And I think that's part of um, authenticity as community. That's really cool. How do you, how do you try to get to that? How do you, when you're, when you're leading your team and you're wanting people to be authentic with the residents or with families, do you ever use stories or how do you, as a CEO, how do you do that? Yeah. So uh, when I first came and I haven't done it as much over the last couple of years because you have to mix it up, but I did something every week or every other week called JT Jottings. And it was a compilation of stories that I had collected as I rounded um, or in, in different areas. And so, and the intention was to always focus those on who we wanted to be as community. And that is to help people live well, age well, and end well, or age well and live fully. And the whole concept of, um, you know, I don't think I, you don't want to overuse a word. So I don't think I embedded the word love a lot, but, and then to put that within a faith context so that it's clear that we're also faith-based and we're based on the teachings of Jesus. Um, and then how does that, how are we the hands and feet of Jesus to the people that we serve and to our coworkers? So, that was really helpful for me. Now, again, I found after a while, after about five years, Steve, people stopped reading. <laughs> right. So we had to mix it up a little bit, but of course, that, yeah. that, that helps set the stage. And um, current, you know, there's a portion of employees that will read through. But in today's world, as you know, it's snippets and it's video. Yep. It's snippets and it's video. But it's the same thing. I mean, you're delivering messages. I just thought, you know, the CEOs I talk to and the ones I work with, I think more and more, you know, and maybe you've experienced this in the, how many years now is it that you're, it'll be, it's eight years, eight years now, I thought it was seven, but that's yeah, eight years. So over your eight years, have you found that you're becoming more and more of a storyteller trying to guide people? Well, what I'm finding is using analogies is super helpful. So, and particularly around the pandemic. And as we started to come out, we saw that we needed to make some changes, some pretty significant changes that had to be communicated to our stakeholders, our community, our residents and staff, was to use the analogy of coming out of a flood. And you've made it through the flood um, because my husband and I and son were over in White Sulphur Springs. Um, I can't believe it's been five years ago. But after the flood came through there for the flood cleanup, and you see how the water came under and eroded foundations, you saw all the cleanup that needed to occur. And I'm like, you know what? We've come out of this. Now we have cleanup. And this is this is trauma. This is traumatic. So if you start to build on some of these analogies um, early on in the pandemic, you used an analogy like we're canoeing. We see an island. We're going to get there and rest, but we're not there. Right. I think that's really a, a powerful analogy of a flood. Yeah. And I think, 
I think your perspective on it being, you know, how water gets into any everything yeah. and it erodes foundations mm-hmm. and things that you think aren't damaged can be damaged. That's a very wise perspective on on how an organization has to look at itself coming out of the pandemic. But I'm getting to a point now, Steve, I have to ask people's permission. Is it all right if I tell you a story? <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, no, not another one of Judah's stories. You know, they well, <laughs> you know, I think CEOs are storytellers. So I think, you know, the fact that people are like, oh, no, here's one of Judah's stories. That's probably a good sign. I think it's people who, like me, are in their third third of life. Yeah. are really great storytellers. Sure, right. <laughs> so I have, they have the experience. <laughs> so have you found uh, there to be any change, you know, in the last five years about, you know, consumers have access to so much information and so much of it is digital and it's all so fast. Has that changed at all how you tell VMRC's story? So I will say that I, I wish we would be quicker adapters along those lines. I mean, it's it's taken us a while to learn that. Um, this pandemic has sped up that process because we use a lot of um, broadcasting, video, and web. Um, so that's a skill set that I've had to learn um, as well. So after every, which I now do much more frequently, at least weekly, if not more often, um, I go back and watch it and they go, okay, now what could I have done differently? I listen to podcasts, you know, how do people, what kind of cadence do they use? Um, so I've gotten better, Steve. I've got a ways to go, but thank you. I, <laughs> I think it's a, I, it's a challenge and there's, it's just much more prevalent now. Yeah. And social media. Um, personally, I don't, I stay off social media except to check BMRCs. Facebook and say, okay, what should we be putting out here so that we're communicating the kind of message? But I just have to give a huge shout out to our marketing and communications team and to our technology team who have stepped up to the plate this last year. But it's propelled us and marketing too. What do you think the biggest challenge is in telling VMRC's story? The biggest challenge telling our story, I think, is to tell it within the... um, space that people have. So we, it, it's all of us have tendency to want to spread it out. And it, it almost has to be a soundbite. So you've yeah. got to boil it down. And so that's why we've boiled down um, with your all's help, our brand age well and live fully, because that is, if you will, our story, but the bigger story is we're a community, our mission, we're a community of hope, meaning growth for persons to age well and live fully. And then our vision is to be a destination hub for those who want to age well and vibrant, authentic community. So you start to get a theme there. Um, but the other really cool story that BMRC has is the farm that we yeah. have. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Okay, so can you tell us about that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, I'd love to because I think it's just like that's what differentiates. There, I actually have two things that differentiate BMRC. Now, may I tell you a story? Yes, please. <laughs> that's why we're here. So the farm was originally supposed to be an active aging community, and it is literally the most gorgeous piece of property I think in Rockingham County. Um, and so. I'm so thankful to the housing boom in 2008 and eight before I got here that that was not populated with like 150 little houses on it. Um, So that was going to be the village at Willow Run. And when I got here, you know, we were at some level trying to grow a little 
you know, some things. I'm like, well, couldn't we have a farm at Willow Run? And now it has just taken off. And literally the best thing about working here is access to the most phenomenal greens all year round um, that are sold at our store Tuesday. They bring them in around 10 and I'm there at 11 because if you don't get there early, you're not going to get them. It's just so the farm and we have just amazing um, farm manager and then um, volunteers and students and residents who work at the farm and we have a hoop house and a greenhouse. So you grow, you have a farm that grows produce and then you use it in your dining room. Can you tell me a little bit about how that came about? Um, just like I said, because the land was there, we weren't going to build on it. And so why not convert it into something that supported the concept of community and health and wellness and um, sustainability, all of which are kind of key to being a destination hub in this gorgeous Shenandoah Valley. Um, so it just amplified our story, if you will. Um, so, yeah, and then to be able to use it, just. That's incredible. I think that's so unique, you know. It is. It, it is a differentiator, and I think it's just original and and very innovative. You know, even though it's farming and it's growing vegetables, it's an incredibly innovative thing for a community like yours to do. And we backed into it. And as people have said, those are some of the most expensive vegetables you could possibly eat. But, and they have the best views, but never mind. It's fabulous. Sometimes it's really important for your lettuce to have a great view. Absolutely. And sometimes there are those um, benefit, those marketing benefits, if you will, yeah. those brand benefits. Sure. That you can't you can't say we're breaking even on our farm operations but you can say it is supporting our brand and it's you know and it's who we are it's genuine it's authentic it is it is authentic and it's very real and it's part of your brand story and people who know you all i think know about it and if you didn't know vmrc and you were thinking about vmrc or you wanted to visit it the farm if you know, if you're from D.C. or you're from a community that isn't the Shenandoah Valley, that is mind-blowing, you know, because to use the resources for a farm so that the residents and everyone are eating these fresh, incredible vegetables, it just shows the commitment that VMRC has to authenticity. Yeah, and, and to the sustainability of green space. Yeah. So it's the only, you know, it's significant green space within the Parkview community. And part of our commitment is to being um, that destination hub is to be part of community, even without in the broader context. And certainly preserving that land and not putting a bunch of townhouses on it is great for everyone. And and so there are walking, you know, we put some walking trails on yeah. it. The cross country team from the high school uses it. I, you know, I think that there's a certain humanness to, uh, yeah you know, letting the cross country team use your property to run. It, it just is, it's actually putting your money where your mouth is as far as community. Oh, and now we have baby goats. Do you really? Yes. You That's gotta... pretty cool. <laughs> I'm just Not so everybody excited. can say that. None of this is my idea, you know, yeah, it's really somebody cool. else's. <laughs> no, I don't think a whole lot of communities like yours can say we have baby goats. You know, I think that's pretty cool. You'll love this. We did goat yoga on the top <laughs> of the hill. Um, this was, I don't know, pre-pandemic, but yeah. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love that. I think VMRC has a really distinct personality if you go there and you visit. And where do you think 
that personality comes from? Bear with me. It has to start with the top. So if we don't, if we can't develop a personality and a story and um, have good humor and good relationships, it ain't going to happen. But um, I think most importantly is are the residents. So people come to VMRC because of how to live, because of how it feels. And they get a sense of community when they walk in and they observe. And it's interesting. They observe how employees interact and how residents interact. This was a couple years ago. We were sitting in the cafe and there was a prospective resident there. And she said, oh, the residents look so happy. And I looked at her and I said, well, you know who you really need to worry about? You really need to see if the employees are happy. Good for you. Because that's what's going to count. I could tell you other stories that are just really fun stories about how, well, all right, I'll give, I'll do one yeah, and you can cut please if do. you don't like it. Okay? No, go, go for it. I mean, that's why we're here. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear your stories. So I, again, in the cafe, and there's just this wonderful couple there. Um, and I think maybe she had grown up in Singers Glen or something. And there was a prospective resident. And so uh, our marketing person said, wanted me to meet them. And I said, okay, and I'll make sure she gets situated in the cafe. So I went to this couple and I said, listen, we have a prospective resident. Would you mind? Because the cafe, if she sat here with you all. And they're like, no, that's fine. Well, it turns out that she and the woman in that couple had gone to elementary school together and were had wow. been best friends. Oh my God. Is that really? and this woman is now lives, I don't know where she lived, but not locally. I mean, is that, and they were like in the cafe hugging each other, screaming. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Is that not? That is so sweet. I know. I was like, oh, yeah. that's See, why that's, I work here. Those are the kind of stories you have to tell. That's a great story. Um, like that's yeah. the, I mean, that that makes it all worth it, I think. Now that's not an everyday story. No, but, sure. Know, but even if it, onto the... if it happens once, yep. I mean, that's beautiful. Yep. That's really great. Um, so what do you think? Uh, you know, you've been a leader for a really long time since I've known you. You've been leading something. And what do you think has changed the most over the years about you, as your role as a leader? Okay. Um, and I'm not sure what's changed so much as my role, but I, I think, and again, as you get older, perhaps you get a little bit more reflective. Um, uh, let me just say my appreciation and acknowledgement of self-awareness as a leader and how important important that is. And generally that comes through making a lot of mistakes, um, through reflection, through contemplation. And for me, that's scripture as well. Um, but being able to acknowledge, uh, that's probably, uh, there was something coming out here that I need to need to look at. So honestly, I did the Enneagram like this last year or two. Yeah. And it's been fascinating because it does give you a platform for self-awareness and to say, oh, hmm, that shadow side showing itself. Right. And to be able to apologize, ask people to forgive you and, yeah, to say, you know what, my apologies. I, I didn't listen well. I jumped in. And you know how famous I am for ending people's sentences. <laughs> So that one's been one you've been working on. <laughs> and being a better listener. Those are just, 
because the most important thing is for leaders is to be able to um, empower, empower the, that's overused, that word is so overused, but um, to be, I don't, I can't think of a better word right now, but to be able to empower people who you work with so that if you jump in and try to do it for them or jump over them, you have disempowered them. Yeah. And sometimes it's a shortcut, but it doesn't, in the long term, it causes you so much more harm. Yeah. And they're not going to tell you, you know, they're going to say, you just jumped over me. You just disempowered me because they, they're not, they can't even put that into words, but they know how it feels. I think everyone knows how that feels. And I think, you know, so what I hear you saying, and I think what I know about you is that your growth as a leader is all about personal growth. I, th I think that's fair to say. So I've done a lot of reading um, and you have those trusted friends, those trusted colleagues, those people who have your back, you have theirs. Life's a team sport. It sure is. You know, it's interesting because I talked to uh, one of the people I interviewed was George Pace. And I just had like such a great conversation with him. And one of the things that I didn't expect him to say, but I should have, but was so cool and so refreshing was he was talking about the power of authentic listening. So almost what you're saying and, you know, and it wasn't something he entered his early career with, but it's something he gained as he, and it, as he went forward. And I think I can relate to that too. When you can really listen to people and let them, you know, fish instead of fishing for them. It's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you have to hire people that are better than you and get out of their way. Absolutely. And, and encourage. Yep. Encourage and nurture. Mm -hmm. I, 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 you know, being a leader myself, I think of the word nurture all the time. Just because I think that's what it's about. And ask questions. Don't know the answers. Ask the questions. You know, if you've got a, if you're a hard charging person, you want to get stuff done, it's hard. You got to slow yourself down and really listen. Yeah. That Enneagram three, just sometimes it's like, Judith, put that, put a lid on your Enneagram three. That didn't help in here. <laughs> That's great. What is your, you know, must read or must watch for anyone who's leading a brand? I'm not sure I can put that so much in the context of brand. But I think if you're leading, uh, one of the best books I've read, well, two, two that I would say um, is Decisive by Chip and Dan Heath. Um, and what I love about that book is they have a real, it's almost a formula. It's called RAP. And the first one is widen your options. And so many times people come with, now, whether or not. If it's a whether or not decision, you got to think more broadly. You got to be creative. Um, and a part of widening your options, I think you'll love this because it goes into that creativity innovation is if you need, and I, I will say we haven't done that a whole lot, but okay, let's just think of the 10 worst ideas. Because people, like if they feel like they've got to come up with the best idea, they'll, um, you know, they, they're not going to volunteer because is that the best you can do? But if you say the worst ideas, you know, they'll just like throw them out. But that book has been really helpful. And, and it's, you know, I'm simplifying it. But the, for me, the most important thing has been widen your options. That's a great recommendation and, you know, a really interesting way to, to look at leadership. I think taking that one, even that one thing away from that book of widening your options is so powerful when you're making decisions because people do make it very black and white. And it almost never is. There's a whole lot of gray out there when you're making decisions. Absolutely. And I heard a podcast, and again, I'm not going to be able to pull it out exactly, but you probably could Google it, is um, 
if it's a hard decision, okay, that means that you have two really good options here. And so you make whichever one you check, you check or you pick the right decision. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, now that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. I like so that. I think that. Um, and then the other one that's had a huge impact, and there are just, you know, probably what happens is you latch on to something and then you just read what con you confirm your bias through all your other readings. You know what I mean? Sure. <laughs> um, it's essentialism, the disciplined pursuit of less by um, Greg McGowan. That's another really good book. Um, and it goes along with the quote, be careful what you focus on. It determines what you miss. Um, so, and I might say the corollary is, determine what you focus on so you don't have to worry about what you miss. You know, it's almost like careful what you talk about every day because that's who you are. Yeah. Your thoughts yeah. become your actions. And I've thought that when I've worked with people who are pessimistic or people who are a little negative about things, you know, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Which is um, actually it's Gandhi. I actually wrote, I have it because I think it's so is your beliefs become your thoughts your thoughts become your words, your words become your actions, going back to words, um, your actions become your habits, your habits become your values, and your values become your destiny. God, that's so great. You know, I, I'm i so happy I interviewed you just because we now have a quote from Gandhi in this program. So mission accomplished. This is why I did this. <laughs> well, I'm glad I can oblige. You know, if there's nothing else I can bring to the table, I can bring Gandhi. You bring a ton to the table, but like quoting Gandhi and talking about love in a, in a business podcast makes me pretty happy. Oh, well, you know, I hope you feel the love. I do. This is a very, this is a really human endeavor period. You know, I think a lot of times like people look at business as being, of course, it's about money and dollars and cents, but it's really a human thing. You know, it's about connection. And when you're in marketing or you're in brand, you're always trying to get to that, that core of like, what do humans care about? What makes them make decisions? And you can either do it in a generous, kind, giving way, or you can do it in a manipulative, crappy way. So it's like, which path are you going to choose? You know, and I, I feel like you've been on the team for good for an awful long time. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned the word connections, because that's really what it's about, um, what, what you're cultivating in an authentic, it has to be an authentic way. People will sniff out if it's manipulative. So, um, and I found the book, the title of the book from Adam Grant. It's Think Again, The Power of Knowing What You Don't Know. Oh, that's great. I'm going to go get that now. I have not read that. So then I'm sure you can Google him and then get podcasts as well. There are a couple of good podcasts that he's done. You know, we always put a couple of resources with these podcast mm -hmm. episodes. So we'll list that as one of your resources or one of the things you mentioned too. Because, you know, it sounds like a great book and getting people to read them. So this is a fun one. A couple of fun ones to end with. Um, so finish this sentence. Oh, uh, jeepers, I, not, not yeah, the Brene Brown. Yeah, it's kind of fun. <laughs> if I weren't a CEO, I would be a... I always wanted to be a professional athlete, but my uh, capacity just doesn't get me there. So um, maybe some sort of coach, except not, not a sports coach, but maybe an executive coach or some sort of... I love to see people develop. That's cool. Yeah, I mean... It's interesting. Like I love when I ask people that question and what they say is basically what they do every day. Cause you, you know what I mean? But that means you're in the right place. It's yeah. great. Cause you are a coach. You, you help all the people around you and you coach them and 
help them succeed. Thank you. Maybe, you know, maybe you just take your job and kind of for, reformulate it to your skill set or your, or your perceived strengths or what you enjoy. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a real strength though. I think, more, you know, if more leaders were, you know, doing what we talked about earlier and really just trying to help people and get out of their way and nurture them, I think the you know, it just creates a lot of success and you can feel it as an audience member. If you're, if you go and either shop at a brand or, experience a brand and the people are well taken care of and nurtured you sense it mm -hmm. yeah i agree yeah so here's here's the last one and it's pretty fun I, I always like this question so knowing what you know now and i know you've learned a lot uh what's the one piece of advice you give a younger you oh jeepers um just relax and go with it you know really it just wasn't that big of a deal it's all gonna come out in the wash um just just it's, life is not over because you made a mistake. Don't beat yourself up. You know, <laughs> it's going to be fine. I can promise you. it's going to be okay. That's such good advice. You know, that seems like really simple advice, but that I love that advice because so many people take so many things so hard when they're leaders. You know, and when, when you're first becoming a leader and you're working with others, you're going to, I mean, making mistakes is how we get here. You know, you have successes, you make mistakes, but man, beating yourself up is such a waste of energy. So uh, Ian Cron, who does the Typology podcast, I love this. What yeah. other people think of you is none of your business. <laughs> Just, you know what? What other people think of me is none of my business. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> yeah, so I don't need to worry about it. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's so cool. Well, thanks for doing this today. Oh, wow. Steve, it's so much fun. So good to see you.